They say uh, a sermon is good because of two reasons. Uh, the preacher needs to do a good job, but the listener has to do a good job too. So it's a, a thing we need to do together in these minutes that we're going to be together. So let's ask uh, God to help us and to learn from his word this morning. So we're going to pray. I'm going to read the, the passage first, and there we, then we can pray. The passage is Mark 6, from verse 30 to... Forty-four. I know you are uh, uh, aware of. You've seen this verse and studied very a lot of times. But we're going to study it again. So it's Mark seven from verse thirty to verse forty-four. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's. Uh, a privilege to be here and it's a privilege to be your children. Thank you that you saved us, that you gave us regeneration. We have new hearts that are soft They're not hardened again. Thank you that your spirit will work in us till the end. And thank you that we can open your word together. And we pray with all our hearts that you will change us. You will change us within We're really grateful that you are changing our lives. It could be little by little or in big steps. But you said you will do it and you will accomplish that. So I pray that as we go back to our houses today, we will go back knowing that you love us and knowing that you are all-powerful. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read uh, the text together, Mark 6, from 30, verse 30 to 44. It says like this, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from All the towns I got there ahead of them. 
when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounded countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fishes. Then, they, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they, all, they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. There's something we need to know right at the beginning. This is the only miracle that appears in the four Gospels. It's a nice thing to know, but I think it helps us think something else. It's a really powerful miracle because the apostles decided to put it in the four Gospels. I want to start with giving you a, a story. Uh, when I was younger, I'm 41 now, and when I was younger, uh, I practiced something that was called Karate Kyokushin. And um, it's a really hardcore uh, karate. The only uh, thing that you can, can't do it was to punch your adversary in the face. But everything else you could do. So back then there, was, there were rivalries. Again, uh, between academies, right? Uh, it was really stupid. So, uh, there's this academy that started talking trash about my academy. They were telling lies, and so my sensei told me, you need to go and find one of those guys and beat him. So, I was very obedient. I went, I found a guy from that academy, and I beat him. I, yeah, I, I mean, I really won the fight. <laughs> so, I was really eager. That was a Saturday in a party. So, I was really eager 
to come back to the church on Monday and talk with my sensei. He sent me on a mission, and I wanted to come back and report about the mission that he sent me away. Because I was able to perform the mission that he gave me. And why am I telling you this? Because the text that we're reading starts with that. If you go to Mark 30, 630, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So they were really eager to tell him everything that happened. It says that Jesus was moving very fast from here to there. It says that he said, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest for a while. To have some rest. Jesus knew they hadn't eat. Jesus knew they hadn't sleep well. And Jesus himself was really busy. So he tells them, let's go to a desolate place so you can report to me from your mission and you can rest. I don't know about you, but this gesture of Jesus touches my heart. Because it shows me the love, the tenderness that Jesus had for his disciples. Jesus knew that his disciples had experienced a lot of things and they needed to rest and they needed to process. And he actually needed to do that too because he's been teaching all around. There's a quote of John Maxwell that I want to read to you that talks about compassion. He says like this, Jesus' leadership was empowered not by a sense of duty or obligation or by a desire to build an image, but by compassion. One question we all, we all have to make ourselves is about our compassion and understanding what the people that we lead need from us. Our children, our church, people that are under our charge in our jobs. So when Jesus had compassion to them, it reminds me of the gospel. Jesus came here to serve, not to be served. He said very several times that his style of leadership was very different than all the styles of leadership up to that time and up to this time. I don't know if you guys have heard about a guy that is very good at training people here. His name is Simon Sinek. 
And he came up with a book five years ago or so that was called Eating Last. And I'm like, man, Jesus has been talking a lot about that like five, five, two thousand years ago. You just found out that this is a good uh, leadership principle. But I mean, Jesus gave this two thousand years ago, so. You're not inventing anything. <laughs> so when I think about the compassion of Jesus, I think about Philippians 2, right? He was in the form of God and he came to be with us. He came to suffer in our place. He came to take our place, to suffer in our place. He, ta he came for as a substitute Dictionary, uh, death. He gave his life for us. There's no one more compassionate than the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Mark was writing about, uh, reading about. He's abounding in love. And he's slow to anger. I think if you If you can see Jesus, inside of Jesus, his compassion will be all of this, and his slow to anger will be all of this, and here you will have all his compassion. Inside, he was filled with only beautiful things. And I want to say something on the side about leadership before we keep going through the text. In recent days, I've been talking with my wife about how to be a better spouse, a better father, a better leader. And what we've been talking about is that we need to find out what charges our spirit and what charges our batteries. Because if we are able to help each other do that, we, were, we could be in our best shape to be parents, to be leaders, to be a matrimony. So I told her, what really fills me up is having a good run in the mountains, having a good time with my Bible, with my Lord, praying. And then after that, if I'm finished with that, I'm going to be the best version of myself. I'm ready to serve. I'm, I'm ready to be a good dad. I'm ready to... That's what is going to charge me. And I ask her, so what's your thing? And she said, hey, I like to be alone. I, I like to listen to worship music. And I like to watch Friends. <laughs> I told him, I prefer Seinfeld. <laughs> But we can talk about this later. So talking about compassion and talking about loving one another loving our children, loving our co-workers, and being a light for them, 
Do you know what charges the spirit of your family? Do you know what your co-workers, your parents, your children, your spouse needs to be the best version of them? We remember Jesus praying by himself and And it was what he needed to be the best version of himself. So why we will not think of that? We need to ask our spouses and we need to ask our um, bosses or anyone else, hey, this is my best version when I do this and this and this. So let's work it together. So that's something on the side that has to do with, with compassion, that I will have compassion for you, and I understand you need to do this, and I'm going to let you do it because I want to be compassionate with you. Returning to this story, in verse 32 and verse 33, the, the passage tells us, They got into the boat. It says like this. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. They say people ran like ran and walked like eight miles together, to get there. And I think it's very important to think about this. I don't know how many of you are runners or not, but eight miles, it's a long way to run. It's a long way to walk. But the people wanted to be like Jesus. They wanna, wanted to learn with, from him. They were eager. There was fire inside of them to be with Jesus. There was a real hunger for the Master. Eugene Peterson translates this. I'm going to read it. We don't have it up there. As follow. Some 42.1, he translates like this, talking about how much we need and how we should seek Jesus. A white-tailed deer drinks from the creek. I want to drink God. Deep drafts of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. When I read this, it's like a mirror to myself. And I'm like, that's where I want to be. And I know I've been here. But I want to be here again. I know a lot of you have been, have been there. And we need to ask the Lord to help us to have that hunger again. It's beautiful when you are right there with Him and, and, and the Holy Spirit is 
speaking loudly to yourself. Do we run to have communion with the creator of the world, the Prince of Peace? Do we run one, two, three, four miles? Do we do sacrifices? <clears throat> I was just in a conference with Rich about Sovereign Grace Ministries and uh, because you get up late and you need to hurry up to be in the conference, <clears throat> I didn't have time for my devotionals. I had time to read, but I didn't have time to pray. And I felt as the day, days go by that I was weak. I wasn't in my best version. So I, I, I will go running sometimes and, and have that time and, and, and pray for my church, pray for my friends, pray for you. But it wasn't the same thing for me. I need to be there on my knees praying to God. I can't be my best version if I'm not there again and again. I really need it, and I know it. And I want to ask you, do you know that you need to pray? You need to read your Bible. You need to be connected to Him. You need to, your spirit to be filled. We need that in order to be like a lamp. on top of a shelf. So my question for myself and for you is, do you still have fire and dependence for Him? I love this verse from Colossians that says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received Him, continue to live your lives in Him. I will tell you how I received Christ Jesus. I had 19 years old. I was totally lost. My parents had helped me to go to a college and I didn't take care of that opportunity. I was just drinking, doing stupid stuff, smoking weed. I just... My life was about girls and being very strong. And I mean, it was just horrible and terrible. I've tried everything. So I came not to a church like a little a group, a Bible study. And I had nothing. I had nothing to offer. I was just with my empty hands. And I, I, don't, I don't remember when I was re regenerate. 
But I remember that day very clearly that I told God, from now on, it's you and me. From now on, I want you to be in my life very close. And I'm going to do my best to follow you. Not because I need to do it. It's because of how I feel and how I can live. So that's the way I came to Christ Jesus. With empty hands. With real hunger. Very needy. Do you remember how you came to Christ Jesus? That's the way we need to continue to live our lives. As you came to Christ. We need to prepare to come to church. Because we want to live our lives different. And church, being in a community, worshiping together, changes. us. We need to be alone with God as we were alone with Him as I was 20 years ago. Because Colossians says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. So I remember how I behaved and wh what I thought when I was 19 And now I, I, I understand what I'm thinking when I'm 40, and it's very different, but I don't want to go back to those things. I want to continue in these things. So please remember how desperate you were to come to Christ Jesus. And that's the way you should keep walking. You don't need to be... Someone who drank, drank a lot of alcohol, someone that did drugs, someone that just did bad things or anything else. Someone that was a good person. You just needed God because we're all sinners. And we need His mercy. We need His grace. Otherwise, we won't see the face of God forever. If you are here and you identify with my story or any other story that you were a good person but you felt empty, you, felt, you didn't know if you were going to heaven, you need to make a decision today to come to Him. The book of Hebrews in chapter 4 says, there's still time to enter His rest. So make sure you enter his, re his rest. Not only the people that haven't re uh, entered His rest, but the ones that have entered His rest and need to do it daily. Because it's a daily thing. So because of thir verse 31 that says, And He said, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. We know and have a good picture of the character of our Lord. 
it says that when Jesus arrived to the place, sorry, verse eight, when Jesus arrived to this place and he saw the people coming, verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. The compassion of Jesus moved him to do something. Compassion should move us to do something. To do little and big things to him as gifts to him. Sometimes I go running and, and I see, I don't know, some kind of garbage. And I take it up and I'm, I, I run for a while. It's kind of uncomfortable. Then I put it on a, a trash can. And I tell him, this, this was a little gift for you. Compassion couldn't move mountains. The compassion that verse 34 is talking about, it's mercy. In the Greek and in the Hebrew, it has a, almost the same meaning. It's like deep love with pity, but not bad pity, Pity uh, filled with love, filled with the uh, opportunity to understand where the other person is. That's what happened with Jesus. He understood that they were sheep without a shepherd. His love was amazing. I want to read to you what Micah 7 from 8 to 19 tell us about the character of God and how there is no one like him in love. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not, you do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will treat our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That's how compassionate and loving He is. God the Father could not stand the perdition of human beings. So He sent His Son. That's how much he loves us. He sent his sons to inaugurate the kingdom of God. If you go back to Mark 1, it, tell us, it tells us that it all started when he came. Sometimes I study the message, this book translated by Eugene Peterson and John 1.14 says that he came and did a, 
and, and he came and lived with us, something like that. But Peterson translate, translates it like this. Jesus came and lived with us in our neighborhood. And I love that translation because it gives me a picture of how close he is to me. And what he did to come to be close to us is the incarnation. He came to be like us without sin to understand us and to understand our situation, our hearts. That's why he was so compassionate because he knows what we are going through. But let's look at verse 34 and 35. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Those were the ones that ran and, and walked for eight miles. And he had compassion, mercy on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Many things. If you want to teach many things, it takes a lot of time. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Jesus told his disciples which were really tired, and he was really tired, and he wanted to know how they accomplished the mission, and he told them, let's go to a desolate place to talk, to rest, to eat. He gets to the desolate place, and it's filled with thousands of people. He wanted a rest, and thousands of people come, And he didn't go running, and he didn't go and hide. He was really tired, and he began to teach them. He put aside how tired he was. He had compassion, and he started teaching. And verse 35 says that he taught for so long that it got really late. So another time, Jesus Christ put humans before him. He's giving us an example. And the, the disciples got wearied because the people were very hungry, got late. I think Peter was thinking about himself. He was hungry. I don't know if he was worried about everyone else. Poor Peter. We always talk about him, right? But he's our example in many things. So the disciples suggested to Jesus to send them away so they could go and buy something to eat. The answer Jesus 
gave his disciple was outstanding. You give them something to eat. This was a crazy idea because to give them food would cost a half year's wages. The disciples were very focused on the material things and not in the spiritual things. I think there's a little bit of the Great Commission here. You do it. I won't do it. You will do it. I will help you do it. But it's your job to move and to take the bread of life to everyone. And it's uh, interesting that these guys are thinking about material things and other spiritual things because they have seen uh, so many miracles. They have seen the guy that came from the roof and they put before Jesus. They saw Jesus in the synagogue a, a, taking a demon out of a girl. They saw him um, resurrecting a guy, a, a woman, a Hyros, I don't know how to say it in English, Hyros' daughter. The woman with the, with the, the problem with her uh, how do you say that? Blood. With the blood? I, I just asked him uh, for help in English and he responded in Spanish. <laughs> That's good because he's learning a lot. And I think this is really incredible because what Jesus is teaching them and teaching us is that you have a little, but you bring the little that you have to me. And that's a whole lot. You don't have many things. You are an ordinary person. But if you come to Jesus and walk with him as you started walking with him from the beginning, you are an outstanding person. You can be a light in the darkness. So let's make sure that the little that we have, we bring it to Jesus. And it's going to be a bomb. The harvest will be plenty. It seems that the disciple had spiritual Alzheimer's. I have a spiritual Alzheimer's a lot of times. I forget that they brought a guy breaking the roof of Peter's, uh, the, the mother of his wife. I've seen that. I know about a, taking a demon away from a girl. I know about all of these uh, miracles. I know about the miracles that Christ 
does for us, has, did, has done for me. He gave me the most beautiful girl in the world. I couldn't have babies, but he gave me a baby, the best baby in the world. He, he made all the connections, all the difficult things that you need to do in order to adopt someone from Africa. It's a miracle that I will, I'm here talking with you guys. It's a miracle that I was able to come to the States. I, I mean, it, there are little miracles and big miracles, but they're all the same. Christ has done a lot of miracles in your life, and you need to remember them. You need to write them. So whenever you experience something that it's hard, you can go back. Don't have a spiritual Alzheimer's. The Israelites came out, and for the first time they experienced something hard. And they said, I wish we, were, we stayed in Egypt. Oh, come on. You have a spiritual Alzheimer's? Don't you remember? That's a good question for us. Don't you remember? There's uh, my, my, my daughter is in a private school and it's kind of pricey or expensive. And she was about a it was the time of the year that kids uh, get into kindergarten and all of that. And uh, uh, a couple of the church come to us and they said, we want to pay for half of the tuition of your daughter. So, if I'm having a trouble with money, If I don't think the Lord is going to be faithful, I need to remember what happened with the tuition of my daughter. It's not prosperity, prosperity gospel. I don't know if he's going to do it the same way. But what I need to remember is that he's faithful. We need to avoid spiritual Alzheimer's. Verse 38 says this. And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. So he asked the people to sit down in groups in the green grass. He took the loaves and he took the fishes, looked to heaven and gave thanks. And then he broke the loaves. This, the, the disciples distributed the loaves and the fishes. And the food was multiplied. Remember that in the Bible they only talk about men. So it, it, it wasn't 5,000 men. They say it could be 15 or 20,000 people. 
That was, that's what John, John MacArthur says. But I think John MacArthur sometimes exaggerates. <laughs> I love him. He's my mentor. I mean, we don't see each other personally, but he's my mentor. I read him. Look at this. He taught them for a long time, and then he gave them to eat food. To me, that helps me out to understand how to live my life, how to live my life. I feed on the Word, and then I feed with physical food. It's, most, it's more important to feed us with spiritual food. I'm going to take five more minutes of the time that I have. This multiplication demonstrates, demonstrates that the way... Jesus, the Spirit, God, the way they work, it's not in a logical way. His ways are higher than ours. This year and the last year has been very difficult for me because I've had a lot of anxiety. And I tell Jesus, why don't you fix this? And I always remember, you're not understanding and you're not going to understand. Your ways are here. My, way, my ways are here. You think your ways are here and my ways are here. But that's not how it works. It's like this. So I know you have anxiety. And I'm allowing that to happen because I have a plan that you don't know about. Remember in John 4 when the disciples come from the town with all kinds of, of groceries and Jesus is talking with a Samaritan woman. Then she goes and tells the town about what Jesus did. And Jesus is not eating. They wanted Jesus to eat. And they asked Jesus if he was going to eat something. And this is what Jesus told them. I have food to eat that you don't know about. The question is, what kind of food are we eating and searching for? The food that Jesus knew he needed or all kinds of other things. Here it comes again. Spiritual food comes before anything else. So Jesus in verse 41 says, And taking the five loaves and the two fishes, 
He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And then it says in 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. This is a miracle. The theme of the book of Mark is who is this man? Who is this man that can accomplish all of the things? Who is blameless? Who is this man that just multiplied this food? And before we finish, I want to emphasize again that the distribution of the food was done by the disciples. You take this, Rich, you take this, Rachel, you take this, Rod, you take this, Andrea, and you do it. Why has the Lord decided that we should do it? I don't know. But we because we really uh, limited but that's the way he wanted to do it to do it. So the question for Rodrigo is are you distributing the food of your father? It doesn't matter if you distribute it here in Phoenix or the Philippines or Costa Rica. But that's the calling of your life and mine. It doesn't matter if you're an engineer. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. The first thing, the, 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 the calling of your life is to bring light to people, to bring food to people. And that food is this. Because if you love everyone around you, and because if you want to be the best version of yourself, you need this. And then you distribute it. So beautiful when you get to, to the office and, and you can tell someone else, hey, you know what I read in the Bible? It was beautiful. Let me tell you about it. We are his hands. We are his feet. Do not miss it. You don't want to miss that privilege. There's nothing compared to when you share the gospel. It doesn't matter if the other person receives it or not. That's God's work. But when you share the gospel, it's an amazing thing. Because you know you're being obedient. And because you know you have done why you were born to do. You're giving them the opportunity of redemption. 
to be rescued from, from their things. We were dead in our trespasses, but now we have been pardoned. There are many applications of this passage. But I think the appropriate application is to understand the main subject. Jesus is God. I've been teaching the, the book of Mark in my church. And you, uh, from chapter 2 to chapter 7, that's the application. Every time. Full of miracles. And I'm like, what's the application? God is, uh, Jesus is God. So what's the application of chapter 4? Jesus is God. What's the application of chapter 5? Jesus is God. He's demonstrating that he is God. He's demonstrating he's compassionate. The compassion that only God could have. He's demonstrating the power of God. Nobody can do the things that this man is doing. Nobody has talked and taught the way this man is doing it. And I love what Mark 7.37 says. He has done things well, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute, mute speak. I love when it says he does everything well in another version. Who can say that about us? Our, 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 when you're a little kid, your mother will say that about you. Oh, he does everything well. Because, I mean, they just love us. But this is real life. And people say about him, he does everything well. Of course, because he's God. I want to finish with a little story that he says that a child asks his dad, is Satan stronger and bigger than me? Yes, my son. He was sad and asked if he was bigger and stronger than his dad. Yes, he, he is bigger and stronger than me. The, the boy remained thoughtful with a sad face and asked, And is he bigger than, and, and is he bigger than and stronger than Jesus? No, son. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is stronger. The smile returned to the boy's face, and he said, Then I'm not afraid. We don't need to be afraid, because we follow an all-powerful God who is compassionate, slow to anger, and who has shown us his love coming to our neighborhood to take 
the sins that we have done. So he's stronger than me. He's stronger than my father. He's stronger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's stronger than anyone. He's so loving more than anyone. So when you go home today and when I go home today, I mean, I hope Rich takes me to the restaurants, some restaurants, something like that. <laughs> But when we go home today, we need to remember. He went to a desolate place because he was really tired, but he saw the people and he felt so much compassion that he put aside how tired he was. He gave the disciples the order to give the people the food. That is the commission. And then it says in verse 38, Two, 42, that they were all satisfied. Jesus satisfies. So we need to seek him in the same way as we did from the very beginning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are not very compassionate. It is hard for us to understand the weight of your word, how powerful it is. It is hard for us to share the gospel sometimes. It is hard for us to understand how we can be the best version of, of ourselves. But we know that you exalt the humble. We don't want to be exalted as presidents of something or gain a trophy. I think that when you say that the humble will be exalted, is that the humble will experience your love and your presence like anything else. So I want to thank you for this church. I want to bless my brothers and sisters. And I want to thank you for your word that it's always leading us and brings light to our feet. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.